Outside, should I run and hide? How do I take my company worldwide? Do you love the law? Did you watch Hee Haw? What's the weirdest thing that you ever saw? What's it like in court? Favorite sport? Can you help with my book report? Is my hair too long? Am I right or wrong? And do you mind if I sing along to anything? Ask Alan anything in the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of uh, Ask Alan. I'm Alan Crone, CEO of the Crone Law Firm. And with me today, it's my pleasure uh, to have uh, Ken Hardison, who is the uh, founder and president of uh, PILMA. And I'll let him introduce the organization, but Ken is a big uh, friend of uh, my firm and a mentor of mine and uh, has really helped me and countless other lawyers navigate the last year. But not just the last year, but uh, our future and building our law firms. Ken, welcome to the program. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, Ken, tell us before we get to, uh, to the meat of it, tell us a little bit about uh, PILMA and uh, what, uh, what you try to do for folks. Yeah. So PILMA is a powerful, innovative legal marketing and management association. So what we try to do is help lawyers uh, broader practices, but also it's, it's about profits and you know, more cases, more profits, but more freedom. Uh, you know, c quit working these 60 hour weeks, get down to like 40, 35 and be able to take off you know, a month if you want to and things still keep clicking. It's the, so there's a lot to that. Most people come to film wanting more cases, but then once they get the cases, they don't know, they, then they have to, then they need our help on how to build the infrastructure to have it you know, and systematize it. It seems to me that uh, med schools and law schools in particular, maybe even pharmacy schools, uh, don't do nearly enough to teach folks how to run a business. No, they don't. They teach you, you know, they teach you the law and they think you, to teach you how to think. I, I, that's my deal about how to analyze analytical thinking. But as far as uh, how to start a business, how to run a business, or how to market a business, or how to grow a business, no, they don't. They just, uh, and I guess they just don't have time in those three, hour, three years of trying to put so much law into you. <coughs> but but the deal is, yeah, I see that. To the, you're right. Lawyers, doctors, yeah, are, are some of the worst business people in the world. And, and the ones that do get it uh, have very successful practice. And, and what I found is you don't have to be the best lawyer to have the best practice. I mean, I'm living proof of that. I mean, I think I'm a good lawyer, but I'm not a great lawyer when it comes to lawyer. And I think I do really good work, but I'm not uh, F. Lee Bailey or Johnny Cocker or anything like that, you know? And uh, and I built two seven-figure law firms and sold them before age 52, yeah. And uh, then I retired and then started Pilma, you know, so. So how did, yeah, going, getting in the way back machine, how did, uh, how did you get interested in law to begin with? Yeah, that's funny because when I was in uh, high school, I thought I wanted to be a CPA because I really like numbers. And uh, it's weird. I, uh, I I saw some things that happened to my family, my dad. And, it, you know, he had a fourth grade education. My mother had eighth grade and they really got screwed around on some deals. And they did they did the best they could, believe me. And uh, but they, my dad did hire a lawyer one time and uh, and I saw what he could do for him. And I said, I, I like that. 
And plus, I wanted to own my own business. And I was sitting there looking at it, and I was poor. <laughs> I said, what can I do to start my own business? Because you got to have money to start businesses, right? But not really doctors or, or, or lawyers or CPAs. And I said, yeah, I, I, I hate uh, needles, so I, so I can't be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and CPA, when I took the course in, in, in college, it really was boring to me. I like numbers, but not those type of numbers. Uh, I like, you know, ROI and stuff like that. But when it gets down to just this monotonous work, I mean, I'm, I mean, praise the CPAs. They've saved me a lot of money over the years, but I don't think I could do it day in, day out. And so uh, I've, I've chose law. I mean, I really like the idea of helping, you know, and it was a good way to start my own practice. I know I didn't really want to work for other people. I had worked for other people ever since I was in eighth grade. And. I wanted to be my own person, you know, on my own business. And that was, uh, then when I got into it, I really loved it. Because when I went to law school, I thought I was going to be a labor lawyer, believe it or not. And then I, I, I clerked with different law firms and I, and I just really picked up on, I really liked the, I liked criminal and I liked injury. And uh, I did a lot of that. And then I just got to where I was doing injury work and workers comp. And I've done a little bit of everything. Though. I've done government contract work. I've done wills and estates. I've done real estate. I hate real estate, but I've done it. I like to buy and sell real estate, but I hate going searching titles uh, and all the contractual work. But uh, I've done a little bit of everything. I've been, I, I was in a small town, 10,000 people. So it's not like being in a big city like Memphis or Raleigh or something like that. That's where people specialize. But back in 1982, when I got out of law school, you know, we pretty much you hung a shingle out and uh, threw an ad in the yellow pages and and, and, and did some networking and, and try to build your practice up, you know, uh, but you really, you, you couldn't just live off of one thing in a 10,000, you know, population town. You couldn't just say, I'm just going to go out and do PI work. You, you would starve. There's not enough wrecks in that town, you know, uh, sure. and there's not enough criminal cases. Uh, so we had to, had to diverse. So we did, I did everything, everything except bankruptcy. I never did any bankruptcy. And never did any immigration, but I've done. Uh, oh, I've done incompetency hearings. I've done, uh, like I said, criminal DWIs and uh, tried jury cases in criminal felony court and uh, loads and loads of social security cases and workers comp. And did did little small corporation work for family businesses, you know, stuff like that. Just a little, just a hodgepodge of everything. But, but I saw real quick that it, where everything was going, the doctor started first, started getting specialized. And I said, you got really to make money, you got to get specialized. You can't keep up with all this stuff. It's malpractice. You just can't keep up with 10 or 12 areas of law, one person, not and not be that great. You know, you just can't keep up with all the laws, what they changing and everything. So kind of settled down on the injury law and after about 12, 14 years, I started did, doing that. How did the light go off with you about, the difference between practicing law and being in the law business. Yeah, it, it was by accident for sure. Um, here's what happened when, when I when I got out of law school, I opened up my own practice, and then I went with this firm across the street, and they made me a partner after like I've been out of law school one year, and it was like the oldest law firm in town, so it was a really good honor. And uh, I built my practice up every year, just word of mouth, you know, grassroots, just little stuff, nothing real big. And we grow about five, 10% a year. 
and, then, and that was from like 84 until about 93, 94. Started level off about 95, it started going down. I said, well, wait a minute. I'm a lot better learner than I was 10 or 12 years ago. I get a lot better results. I know a lot more people. What's going on? I mean, this is going the wrong way, you know. And I, I you know, and uh, my clients love me, so I know they want it. And uh, so I went to court one day to try DWI. Guy walks in on crutches, and I don't remember his name, call him Joe. And he said, I said, what happened? He said, I got T-boned by a transfer truck. I said, well, you know, I handle those cases. He said, yeah, but I saw this guy on TV and I figured if he's on TV, he must be really good. So I hired him. And that lawyer was a good marketer, but he wasn't a good lawyer. He never tried a case. And I know to this day, he still never tried a jury case. But he's got one of the biggest law firms in the state of North Carolina now because he was a good business person and a good marketer. So I went and tried to DWI. I won it. Walk out of the courtroom. I go back to my office. I sat down with my two partners. I said, "We got to start. We got to change. We got to change with the times." I said, "You know, everybody." And I used to sit back in the courtroom to wait for my case to be called for DWIs and stuff because I did a lot of those. And all the lawyers were back there complaining about these damn TV lawyers. You know, all this advertising. It's unprofessional, and they're taking our business. And I, one day, I just stood up. I said, "Well, y'all can moan and grow about all you want to." I said, "I'm going to do something about it." I said, "You know." You got to change with the times. But my partners didn't want to do it. And we had that dialogue for about six, eight months. And I just left and went out on my own and didn't know anything about anything. And so I started going to, reading a lot of books, going to different marketing things and business things that had nothing to do with law practice because there really weren't that much out there back in 96. And then I picked two or three really successful lawyers across the country. And I, and I called them up and asked them, could I come down and shadow them for two or three days? And, and and believe it or not, they were they were glad to do it because I knew my competition in North Carolina won't tell me how to do it, <laughs> you know. And I understand it. I mean, it's business, right? I mean, I probably you know I understood that, and I got a lot of good insight there. And so then uh, I decided to uh, that's that's when I decided I'm on market. And then what happened was I went and borrowed as much money as I could borrow from the bank. And went on TV and I went from signing up 20 cases a month to 120 in like 30, 60 days. It was like crazy. You couldn't do that now because competition, but it was just easy, man. It was like, but here's the bad part. I did not have any infrastructure set up, no case management system. And uh, I didn't have enough help. And we were just, it was a chaos. And so I had to kind of cut it off for a couple months. And I went out and found this lady, thank God. Her name was Cheryl Leon. And uh, she's still living. In fact, she's, uh, she's having a hard time out now with cancer. But she had helped build one law firm in North Carolina up pretty good. Not as big as some of them, but, you know, some marketing stuff. And she was really good on systems. And uh, and we, we got together and, and she helped me immensely and set up systematizing the law office. And I read a book called Myth, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. She told me, she said, you read that to start with. And so that and her, and then uh, she ended up uh, started dating this guy who was a former IBM executive manager. And he was really good at management. I mean, he just taught me so much uh, about core values and different things. And, ROI, and so I had those two people for like the first five to seven years mentoring me, 
Then on top of that, I was going everything I could in the world about marketing. And I tried. Half the time, it wouldn't work out. And I'll be honest with you, I'd, 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 I'd waste a lot of money. But then when sometimes I'd hit something, man, and, it, and I'd just wear it out. I mean, you know, um, and it just, you know, I went from like, when I left, I started that firm in 96 with two lawyers and three staff. And six years later, I had 13 lawyers and 47 staff. And we were killing it. I mean, you know. Uh, and that's the way it happened. I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of by accident in a way. And in another way, it wasn't because, I, you know, I'd had enough. I mean, you know, I could see the right. Now, listen, it, if everybody wouldn't market, I'd be all right with it too. I mean, you know, as long as it's a fair playing field, I don't care. I remember one time North Carolina was going to outlaw or ban uh, direct mail. And I, I got, I stood up there in the, in the deal. They had a big meeting. I said, I'm fine. I said, do away with it. I said, you know, as long as everybody will do away with it, I got no problem. I'll stop doing it. I said, you know, it don't matter to me. I just want an even playing field. <laughs> you know, I mean, give me an even playing field. And I, 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 I think I'm, I can figure it out. You know, I'll work hard enough and I'll figure it out. I'll go do what I got to do to win. I, I'm a winner. I don't like to lose. You know, I'm very competitive. Can't figure that out by yet. Sure. So sure. that's that's the deal. I mean, it's kind of a crazy story, but then again, it's not really if you think about it. Well, and I think a lot of lawyers, and I'll put myself in this category. You know, five, ten years ago, they a lot of lawyers think that there's one secret to business, and there's really about five thousand secrets to business, isn't there? I mean, it's not just one yeah. thing. You've really got to look at your whole operation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like marketing. Everybody's looking for that silver bullet. And, and if, if I figured, if I knew it had it, I'd, I'd be, a, I'd be a billionaire because there is no silver bullet. There's a bunch of little things. When, when I sold my law firm in 2010, we were doing 32 different things to market that law firm. And some of them cost zero and some of them we were spending hundreds of thousands, but we did them all because they all work together. You know, it's just little stuff. But no, there is no one thing that's like that. And it's like management. I mean, you got this, just so many little parts working together. I mean, you got to have good hire right. You know, you got to train right. You know, you got to have systems, processes, procedures, accountability, you know, KPIs, return on investment, math, case management systems. You got to be looking at your cash flow. You, I mean, no wonder everybody, not everybody wants to own a business. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot to keep up with. I mean, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, you know, and then you get something like this COVID hit, and my God, you know, what are you going to, you got to think quick. You got to pivot. I mean, you, you got to, you got to plan for ahead. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, that's like when COVID hit, I just automatically started this whole uh, coronavirus uh, survival kit and, and just made it free for everybody. And just kept doing weekly deals and bringing in experts and talking about going remote and talking about, I had you on it, talking about what you're going to do about these people on leave and what, what can you do, you know, and how can you, how can you uh, manage these people remotely? How can you hold them accountable? All this kind of stuff. I mean, people just didn't know. I mean, and, uh, but, but, you know, by doing that, I got a bigger following. My, my, my website hits went up probably 30% for those three or four months, right when COVID hit. We picked up some new members. You know, we did it for free, but I mean, you know, to do this, we had to pivot. I mean, you know, I know some law firms, they had to pivot. Some of them that were doing criminal work just dried up and had to start going out, figuring out how to do expungements and, you know, criminal lawyer, I mean, domestic lawyers thinking about, you know, you know, uh, 
these child custody issues with, with COVID and whether or not you can take them over there and not take them over there and all this stuff. So you just got to think outside the box. I mean, you know, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, a lot yeah, of moving I think law firms uh, can take uh, a lot of uh, cues from the restaurant industry. You know, I know here in Memphis, uh, there are restaurants that, and I've talked to, to the owners, there are a lot of restauranters who say, look, you know, if I can't do things the way I was doing them in 2019, then I just didn't go out of business. And then you have some restaurants who say, okay, I can't have people in my dining room. How can I make money without people in my dining room? And they figure it out. And um, I, I think a lot of law firms are doing that right now. They're, they're saying, you know, I'm going to keep my head down until things get back, quote, back to normal. In the meantime, the, the practice of law is moving past them. Yeah. In fact, I mean, you know, it takes things like this. I think you're going to see a lot of big changes uh, in the way things are done after this. I mean, I, I know for a fact I've got some PILMA members who were getting ready to buy or, or either upgrade, you know, enlarge their office space. And no, they're not going to do that now. They're, probably half of their workforce is going to be remote. The, the half that could be productive. Mm -hmm. There's some that just can't do it. There's some that actually were actually were more productive out of the office. So it just really it was all over the place. Um, so yeah, I see a lot of things different. I mean, I see a lot more people sign up without coming into the office. A lot of more. It's Zoom. Wish I'd bought the Zoom stock back in February. You know, I mean that has changed the the, the deal. And, you know. I mean, I had to learn how to use, I didn't know how to use them when all this started and I had to do it, and, you know, because I was meeting with our mastermind members every week uh, for the first 10 or 12 weeks until they quit showing up. I, I told them, I said, I'll be here for you. Because, you know, it's, it's when this sells on, you don't really know if you're doing what's right or what's not right. I mean, you know, you don't know. You, you can't, even if you're the smallest guy in there, the deal or woman, the deal is you, you're not 100% sure, so you like to get that affirmation from the other lawyers across the country. So that was a good deal, just just having those meetings. A lot of times it lasted over an hour. It was just, hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay, we're good. You know, well, then we're doing it right. You know, or, well, I, I won't do it this way, but I will now. You know, things like that. I hadn't thought about that. That's whatever it might be. But yeah. Right. So. Well, the um... I mean, we had we had to pivot. I mean, we had to pivot. I mean, but restaurants, the guys that don't change, they'll die. I can tell you that. It's just like uh, you know that law firm I left. Uh, one of them, after about two years, he was gone with the DA's office, and the other guy just pretty much. I mean, he was still practicing, but he was like, and he didn't really have to. He had plenty of money, uh, you know. So it wasn't a big deal. But uh, thank God. But uh, I mean, he pretty much down to one staffer and him but they never would change you know what i mean and that's okay i mean that's okay but i just there, there's what is it consequences reaction inaction there's there's consequences you know you just got to you cannot you cannot rest on your laurels and you cannot uh, you know and they're a big objection well, i understand it it's unprofessional but it is it is a business you could be a professional it's a professional business listen I market a lot, but I never run what I call meals. And I know some law firms that do, you know, but I never ran a meal. I, my profit margins weren't as big as some law firms. And, and I knew that, but I I did the extra stuff for the extra client service. And 
I, I slept a lot better, you know, and I got up in the morning and I felt good about what I was doing and, you know, to put the client first and it worked out. It worked out really good. So what's the I biggest, no, uh, no what's the biggest innovation that Pilma uh, put in this year that you think will live beyond COVID? Uh, Pilma itself? Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, two things. The two big deals was that we uh, we launched a vendor directory uh, for vendors, and I had been thinking about it, but we just never had time or whatever. And you know, it was a good. I knew it was a good money. I mean, far as profit center, but you know, we're so busy on everything else, so we jumped on that to make up for some loss income. And then the other thing I think that you'll see all over the country with people that put on events. You'll start seeing them be hybrids. They'll be, I think you'll start seeing where they'll be live slash live streaming because people are getting used to that. And uh, our next event, we're going to have it in June the 20, I think 23rd, 22nd through 25th at the Ritz Carlton in, in uh, uh, New Orleans. And we're going to have it. In fact, you're going to be speaking there, my friend. I'm going to be speaking. That's and right. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, uh, Y'all listeners need to come down there and listen to Alan. He always is a showstopper. And we got him out there on the first day. I put my good speakers on the first day. So you're out there on the first day. And uh, it's like, starts on a Tuesday, ends on a Friday at lunch, starts at a Tuesday on lunch. And we got about 27, 28 speakers and they're talking about marketing and management. And uh, But we're going to run it. We're going to do live streaming too. I, I feel pretty confident now that... Uh, by June the 22nd, that there'll be enough vaccines out that if people want to come to New Orleans, they can. Because I've been very, very cautious about this. I'm, I'm scared to death of it today. I know a lot of people aren't, but I am. Uh, I'm overweight. I'm 65. I smoke. I, I'm, 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 the, I'm the high risk. And I just, you know, <laughs> like I said, I got a lot of people depending on me. <laughs> and I just... Uh, you know, I've been real careful about it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I have not really, I have not flown anywhere since February and I've only driven to the mountains twice and that was to a place my wife bought. And no, no visit, it was just me and her there. And, um, you know. I think that's smart. I think that's smart. And uh, I know that you, um, I know that you follow a lot of law firms. Um, what uh, What do you think has been the, the biggest change in the legal industry that will outlive all of this? Well, I don't know if it's just because of this, but some things that's happened this year that I think is going to make some big changes over the next, I'm not going to say next year, but over the next three to 10 years. Uh, some stuff that's going on in Arizona, uh, California, Utah, is the non- lawyer ownership of law firms and it's, it's coming. I mean, you can do it now in Arizona. And uh, I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as everybody thinks it's going to be, but it's going to be a big deal. I don't, I don't, it's, it depends on what kind of firm you got. Um, I think that the big uh, transactional firms that are going to be hit by it. And I think uh, the big PI firms are going to get hit by it. I don't think that the Domestic practice, and I might be wrong, but I don't. I think, and I think the deal is, it's going to be like 
even if you are paying, it's going to be like when Walmart, do you remember when Walmart really started growing? I remember that in our town, when Walmart came to town, some businesses just didn't make it. You know, they just didn't, they couldn't compete with the price and they didn't offer anything else, which comes back to my big deal. And I tell everybody this, never compete on price because you'll never win in the end. Kmart's went out of business, Circuit City went out of business. When you are price only, you will you will lose sooner or later. Somebody will undercut you. So you got that you got to differentiate yourself or, or, or you know on something where it be service or something unique. And the ones, if you go back and look at the mom and pops that actually made it, they gave something, they pushed something different than price. And they and they and they stayed there and they beat Walmart and they still survived it. And I think you will see law firms the same way. If, if they are not really good at, at differentiating themselves and standing out and offering something a little bit different than these big conglomerates that's going to be the big law firms, then, you know, that's just like now. I mean, you got really big PI firms, really big, these big, you know, 500 law firms that deal in stuff that you do, uh, Alan. But the deal is you still got a good business. They're not taking it off because you offer something different. You offer that personal touch or or whatever it is that you've got that kind of stands you out and people, you know, and every time, everybody, I'll be honest with you, I don't always want the cheapest guy because I feel like I, I feel, I always feel like you get what you pay for. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I want the most expensive guy either, but, but uh, I'll get worried when I'm, I, I get somebody that's cutting the price real low that tells me that they're uh, maybe they're desperate and maybe I don't want to do business with somebody's def- desperate. And I think lawyers, and listen, when you start out practicing, it's about impossible not to do. I mean, I did it. I mean, you know, and turn down cases. It's two things. You want to get the cheap as you can get, and you want to not to turn down anything. You just can't do it. You know, it, it, it's going to kill you. But you got time, I guess, when you first start out. You got much business so you can deal with it. But, you know. Yeah. So I always, I, I think, you, know, yeah. you know, in terms of price, I always say right now there's somebody buying somewhere in the world. Somebody's buying a $1,500 handbag. And, yeah. and it's not because that's the cheapest handbag they can find. It's because they see value in it, whether yeah. it's the logo or the craftsmanship or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then the other opportunity I see with the, the non-private or the non-lawyer ownership of law firms, I see two benefits for guys like us. Um, one is it gives you a market to sell your practice when you want to retire a much bigger market than, than you had when you retired, you had to kind of create your own market by building a firm and then selling it to the folks that, that were coming up behind you. That's kind of the classic way that folks have uh, sold law firms. And the other is, is it gives a whole source of capital um, when you're, when you're competing against uh, the big PI firms or you're competing against the insurance companies or the, pharmaceutical companies or, or whatever. It's a whole new source of capital. And so, and, and you make a good point. You can either look at that and say, oh, the sky is falling and, you know, uh, it's just, woe is me. Or you can figure out, okay, how can I use this to my advantage? And yeah. and, and, the, and the deal is you won't, if you're going to, you need to prepare it. Listen, any business you start, there ought to be an exit strategy whether it's selling it or retiring or turning it over to your kids or whatever it is, you know, I've never started a business 
yet that I didn't that I didn't have snow in it as part of my in game plan. Now, wind sometimes changes, but uh, but if you set it up and run it like a business and, and got good uh, processes, procedures, and a good list, you're gonna be a lot more attractive to somebody that's got the money to buy you than than just a run of the mill like everybody else law firm that just they don't really know they just know that they get paid so much and they look at the end and well we got this much pop you know <laughs> but uh you know and there's no strategizing or no uh planning or you know or no no kpis no you know no plan growth uh and no infrastructure but uh yeah, I agree. And in fact, I said we had a, I was doing a podcast and we were talking about that. I was talking about that with a lawyer and I said, you know, you, you're right. I mean, it is, but I think it's, uh, I think the deal is it's not going to be as big a deal as everybody thinks. Cause I've looked, I studied this years ago. They did it in Australia. They did it in England. And, uh, and it, you know, only like 17% of the law firms got bought up by the, the, the hedge fund money. Uh, it won't, you know, 83% of them are still private practitioners. Uh, they were going after the ones that were run like a business and they saw some potential that they could infuse some more cash in it for more marketing that they could grow it even more because the, the infrastructure was set up, you know, everything was set up right. And they knew, you know, it's like I said, he should tell the TV guys, you know, listen, yeah, why can't you spend more? I said, if I had it, I'd spend twice as more. I said, but I can't spend what I don't have, right? Uh, you know, uh, I could put all my profits back into it, but I could still grow it faster if I had another million dollars this year. But if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. And the problem is the banks don't like to loan money to law firms because there's nothing they can go and repossess because your clients can leave overnight, right? Right. There's nothing they can sell at the courthouse doors. And, you know, this, that's, that's changing a little bit. I'm seeing some money out there, but the problem is interest rates are so high that it's hard to make the, the deal work. I mean, you know, so it's still tough. I've seen some, uh, I'd say now lawyers that want to sell their practices, they, they need to get in shape, but they'd better, if they really want to get top dollar, they're going to have to finance some of it uh, to another lawyer. Uh, I mean, I sold two, and I was lucky. The first one, I financed 100% of it, and the second one, I got 100% cash. Uh, a lot of big difference in numbers. I mean, the first one I sold four or five times more than I did the second one. Uh, but, uh, you know, but the guy that I sold it to had cash. He had a, he, you know, he had a multi-million dollar law firm and it was, he could write me a check. That don't happen a lot. You know, he could, he probably wouldn't have bought the other one I had. He probably didn't have enough cash to buy that one. But, I, but I'm seeing deals now. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing deals now where, I mean, I know personally, and I can't name their names. I know personally where a law firm has been offered like 38 million for their law firm cash. Now, you know, there's gotta be some hedge fund money or some kind of investment money going in there. Uh, but uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I think you'll see more of it. I think the baby boomers, I think it's a great opportunity to be honest with you if you're uh, in your forties or early fifties to go out and buy the law firms because you got all these baby boomers like me in their sixties. Uh, you know, mid sixties, early early seventies, they're ready to get out of it, and they would. And the big deal is they might stay along a little bit while they just don't want all the headaches. Right. So if you could buy it from them and get them to finance it, and they stay there as a figurehead for a year or two, 
I, I see it as a golden opportunity. That's another way to grow your practice. I mean, you know, it's a, it's the fastest way. You think about it. I mean, so, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you look at the big corporations. I mean, Google, they're doing it all the time. Facebook, they're gobbling up other, you know, they go back, Google bought uh, YouTube. You see it all the time. I don't see a lot of law firms doing that. We've got a few out there that are doing it, but not not many. And that, that is a way to do it. I mean, you know, but you got to have the capital, right? That's the problem. That's right. That's right. Um, the, um, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, it's an interesting idea, um, uh, you know, uh, strategically buying firms and, and uh, uh, for expansion, either geographic expansion or, or, or whatnot. Um, how, yeah. how does, how, how did you go from being retired, you know, selling your practice into, into doing the consulting? What was the, the, what was that? <laughs> yeah, job? that's another one of the things that just happened. Yeah, I, I sold my practice in 2010. I moved down to Myrtle Beach from Raleigh. And I, I moved down here because number one, it was within two hours of my mom, a drive. Uh, they had like 87 golf courses down here. I love to play golf and they had water and, I, and uh, you know, ocean. I love the water and ocean. I love the fish. So I said, this is a great place. So I went down there and I played golf about six months and got bored. People were calling me all the time, wanting advice on this and that. And I said, you know, I need to start making money off this. This is crazy. And I said, I'm getting bored out of my mind because I like to build things. But then once I get them built, I get bored uh, for the most part. Pilma may be an exception, but, uh, and so, uh, you know, I had already started Pilma, but Pilma was sort of like a little hobby. Uh, it was more of a something to play with. And I got real serious about it. And, you know, when we started masterminds and I started doing consulting work and we had a membership and, you know, it just really, you know, it's, it's grown, you know, uh, I mean, it's a multi-million dollar business now. I mean, I didn't set it out to be, but that's just the way it worked. Uh, you were you yeah. were a pioneer in, in this sort of thing. I mean, when you started it, uh, I mean, now you look around and in my inbox, there's there were, always, you know, uh, half a dozen yeah. uh, Pilma wannabes. Um, yep. Everybody's out there. They, they see other people do it. And they think it's easy to do. It's just like practicing law. It's not as easy. It's a lot easier. It looks easy, but it's not. <laughs> You know, and uh, yeah, you know, and that's that's the deal. That's the biggest problem I have right now is everybody's copying everything I do. I know, but that's okay. They say that's flattery, right? They used to do that when I practiced law. When I come out with something at work and I do it within a year, every, you know, three or four law firms be copying it. But I'd already be, you know, I've always been trying new stuff. So I guess that's a good form of flattery. But you know, there's there was one other lawyer that was doing this. You know, uh, and he's still doing it. And I think the world of him, I think he's smart and good. I got nothing, nothing but great things to say, and that's uh, being glass. Uh, but he just really focuses more on marketing. He, he called it great legal marketing. And, and he's good. He, he studied other same people I did, Dan Kennedy and Bill Glazier. That was probably his two biggest mentors, mine too. So, you know, I can't say that we're different in a lot of ways. I, I built a lot bigger law firm than him, I think. I don't know. I haven't asked him how big it is now, but. Uh, you know, and I sold out a lot quicker. He's still practicing, uh, but he's got a good outfit, I think. And then, but now you got all these non-lawyers getting into it, and, uh, and that bothers me a little bit. But you know what? It's free market, so be it. It makes me better, right? 
makes me it keeps me on my p's and q's i'm always trying to take it you know i'm very, like i said i'm very competitive so i'm always you know like this last year we launched the uh, round tables for the staff members like for management and for marketing people i started the ghost calls for my masterminds you know i went and got certified as scaling up coach with burn harness and the rockefeller habits so you know and i'm, I'm big on continual learning I don't, I don't think you ever know know it all if you think you do you're in trouble you know, if you once you think you got it figured out, you're in big trouble because you, you should never have it figured out. Uh, you never will have it all figured out if you're honest with yourself. I still know. I still learn stuff every day. I think every day. the biggest uh, challenge for a guy like me is to is to figure out who's the snake oil salesman. Uh, yeah. Well, here's 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 what I say. And this is what I say with vendors. I tell all my people with vendors and it's hard sometimes, but. Uh, one or two things. Give me a guarantee or either let me, have me a bailout clause after 90 days. Uh, you know, and I don't care who it is. If they don't feel good enough about what they're selling or offering you to have a bailout clause in the first 90 days. So that bothers me. Uh, and I, I told that to somebody, I told that to a vendor. I said, that bothers me. I said, you, it means, tells me you don't have confidence in your own deal, in your own work. Uh, and I understand with SEO it's a little harder because you got to give them longer to do it, you know, and I understand that. But other than that, I, I really don't see anything. It's just like with Pilmo. We're the only one out there that offers, uh, uh, you try it's 90 days, 100% money back guarantee. Every summit I've done, I've offered 100% money back guarantee after the first day. Uh, in fact, we got a deal now, Alan, that we say if you join Pilmo for a year and if you haven't gone 25%, it's free until you do. So, I mean, you know, that's when you can stand behind something. I think that tells you that. I'm just being honest. I think that tells you that the people, you know, that, and there's going to probably be somebody take me up on it because I can't control what they do, right? Right. So there's going to be somebody that, that it takes, I haven't had anybody take me up on it yet. And in 11 years, I've had one person ask for a refund. Uh, you know, so I feel pretty good about it. But yeah, you're right. But I, I think that on anything, if, if people ain't willing to stand behind us, whatever it is. And uh, I understand like a domestic lawyer, you can't stand behind, you, you know, you got, or, you know, you got to get your money up front or don't, you know, and I understand all that. But uh, as far as vendors and, and people do what I do, why not offer, give them, a, give them a taste of it and give them the money back. Why do you want, here's what I tell everybody, I mean it. They think I'm, you know, a kid. I don't want your damn money if I don't if I'm not helping you. And it, and I don't think it's my fault, but it don't matter if you start helping you, and it's not helping you. Why should you? Why should you be paying me money for something's not helping you? I mean, I just think that's to me that just makes sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I mean, a lot of people say I'm crazy, but I think it works for me. I mean, you know, and it shows them that I'm not trying to. Be a snake oil salesman, you know. I really believe in what I'm doing, and if I, I want to help, if I can't help, then I don't really, I really don't want the money. Because that's one thing about, I, I, you know, uh, I don't know a lot of things, but I can always figure out a way to hustle up a little bit of money somehow. <laughs> you know, I ain't never had to worry about that. I ain't, I ain't rich by any means of imagination. Don't claim to be rich, but I, I, I've, I've uh, I, you know, I've always been able very. Streetwise, be able to get out there and hustle up some money when I needed it, you know, uh, and do it the right way. You know, I've never had to. I ain't saying I've had my ups and downs. When I was running that PI practice, man, we had some cash flow problems. Unbelievable. 
but you know, I always made it through. I never bounced a check and I always made my payroll. But uh, yeah, there was bad, there was bad times. Ain't nothing easy, you know, especially if you're growing fast. That's when you see a lot of cash flow problems and that, that could kill you, you know. Uh, you know, I do this presentation now, I learned from scaling up, and it really is good on, on how you can. Uh, and, and that's, hey, anybody wants to go to my pilma.org, P-I-L-M-M-A.org. I've got, I've got my uh, profit calculator up there where you can sit there and say, if I, if I raise my fee by, you know, 5% and I cut my expenses by 2% based on my, my numbers and my P&L, I can generate another 20% profit. And you can sit there and play with it. It's absolutely free. It's in the uh, uh, non-member resources. I got some stuff there that is free. Um, you know, the coronavirus survival kit's free. We got a bunch of stuff on that. And then we've got some things that people really like that I that uh, got a big turnout for, and I put them on the for freebies for people that are not members, so, so they can see what we do. You know, and play with it. Yeah, I love. Uh... Uh, Ken hasn't asked me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I can tell you, I've been a Pilma member, I think two, or, I think three or four years now, and uh, participated in a, in a bunch of different parts of his program. And one of the really great uh, benefits that I think you get with the gold membership is uh, the, his resources. And he's got webinars going back years and all kinds of different I, I have yet to have a business problem where I couldn't at least start there to begin to figure yeah. out how to how to undo it. So uh, that's another benefit I think Pilma has is it's been around and Ken's been around a long time. And um, yeah. it is what the state farm, not state farm, uh, farmers insurance. Uh, we've we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Uh, you've you've yeah. seen a thing or yeah. two, haven't you? Over the years, yeah, even and I don't, this is not what I experienced. Because I, I tell people I've made about every mistake a man can make trying to build a law firm, and, and it costs me money. And, uh, and then I've helped so many other law firms, and a lot of times I help them before they make mistakes, and then sometimes I help them pull out of it. So, you know, it's like uh, I've helped a lot this year. Maybe I, I felt so I had my self worth go up this year. I, I can say I made kind of been a down year for, for cash flow, but. I feel like my self worth going up. I feel like I've helped a lot of lawyers that uh, just didn't know what to do. And maybe they didn't know what to do, but they just needed somebody to say, go for it. You know, you're, you're doing the right thing. Now, sometimes you just don't know, you know? Well, I know a lot of lawyers that, you know, they know when to take that that chance in court, you know, that, that question that yeah. a lesser lawyer may ask or not ask. And they've got the confidence to make that decision. But in yeah. business, um, you know, you're just all, you're, you're out on an island. I mean, uh, you yeah. look around, I don't know about everybody else, but I look around and I see everybody seems to be doing so well. And, you know, they've all got good face and exterior uh, postures. But the truth is everybody is having the same problems. And um, it's it's good to get that, that affirmation that Hey, my, the idea I've had is a good idea. And if I just have confidence in it and execute it, I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing, Alan, that, that, you know, that vaults, you know, we got it set up where you can just search it, you know, and we got webinars and all the articles and the magazines that we've done. You know, we do a magazine every month, about 40, 50 pages. But uh, I tell you what members really love to that list, sir, because if they're talking to a vendor, 
it's like a little chat thing, but it's like a string and you say, hey, what do you think of anybody ever dealt business, did business with this vendor? And, and you'll see sometimes, yeah, great, you know, give them a high much record. You'll see other times they'll say, hey, run, run. They're only going to do is take your money. They don't do a damn thing. They promise. And I think that's saved. I think that one thing has paid for a lot of people's membership from not making up, like you said, knowing who the stakeholder people are because you a lot of times, and not every time, but I'd say 90% of the time, if you put something on there, you're going to get some response from somebody because we've got so many lawyers in it. And, and most of them are same boat. They're trying to figure out ways to grow their practice. And so they're, they're buying the same types of deals, you know, the same services. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen it. What do you think? Um, what do you think the biggest fool's gold out there for, for lawyers is in terms of business? You know, that people think, oh, if I just do this, uh, yeah. um, you know, it's going to change my, my life. Gosh, that's a good question, Alan. Mm. Well, there's a two or three. I think one thing, I think if you think you can just throw money at something, it's going to make it happen. That, that's, that's crazy. Because you got to think, you got to think strategically about where you're going to place your money and and, 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 and thinking that you can just buy one or any one thing that's going to help you and make the difference is not. Uh, but. I'll tell you know, what I think it is. What do you, what do you think? Because I, I think mean, that's a hard one for me. Worst, I think the worst specious lie is that there's such a thing as passive income. That, <laughs> that you know that there's a way to make money without working or there's a way to solve a problem uh, without really working through the problem and no, that goes to what you're that. talking about you know you can throw money at at a vendor and say okay and it really doesn't matter whether it's seo or marketing or consulting or whatever and if you think all yeah. i gotta do is give this person ten thousand dollars and she's gonna solve all my problems it just don't work that way it just don't uh, work that now you can have somebody that can help you, but at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta work right. and you've got to make it happen. Listen, that's what I that is the difference. That, that is the difference between those that make it and those that don't, Alan. The, the, the guys that make it big is that they I, I, I go back to this all the time, is that they implement, they have focus and discipline to get shit done. Because I can tell you all this stuff to do. Uh but you still got to do, do it, you know, and, and the biggest deal that everybody wants it done for them, but how are you going to, there's some things you can't get done for you. You got to do it yourself or you got to, you know, you, you can't hire somebody to be a leader of your law firm. <laughs> you know, you got to be the leader of your law firm. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got to make those big decisions um, and you got to hold people accountable and make sure stuff gets done. And that is the biggest, that's the biggest. And, and I hear, here's my, here's what you hear and you, you listeners or, or, or what, viewers are going to know what I'm talking about. This is what I get all the time. Well, Ken, I just don't have time. And here's my answer. You have, you make time for anything you really want bad enough. So do you want this bad enough to do it? It might not. Listen, I can, I can give you an example right now. I want to lose weight, but do I want to lose weight long enough to do what it takes to do it? Not quite yet. I'm being honest. I know I need to, and I think that's the same thing with lawyers in that they know they need to do this stuff or whatever it is, but they're not hurting bad enough. You know what I mean? Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, they're not hurting bad enough to do it. And then when they get to that point, maybe it's too far gone. But the deal is, I tell them right to start when they join them, if you're going to set aside two hours a week and work on your business, you're going to see so much. I said, but the deal is, uh, if you just say, I'll do it, you got to actually make yourself the point with yourself. And if you can't, if you don't get bothered, bothered at the office, go to the damn library or go to your, your home office or whatever, lock yourself up for two hours a week. If you would do that and, and focus that time and not daydream, I promise you, and just take half of what I teach, tenth of what I teach, you're going to see big, big changes, upward changes. But the deal is, it's so easy to say, I just don't have time, kid. I, I got, I got, I heard that last week. You know, I'm going to get around to it. I'm, I'm going to try to get to it this weekend. Well, no, you're not going to try to get around to it. That's why I like that. Uh, you, you're in our strategic attorney coach program, which we're finishing up this month, a year-long program. And uh, the deal is, in fact, I actually hired another coach, Alan, to come in and be nothing but have weekly meetings just to push people to get the stuff done. Uh, in a in a nice way, but, but have some accountability. Uh, just like you got to do it with your staff. You know, people inspect respect what you inspect. That's what wise man told me one day. But that is the that's the big deal. I think that's is the biggest biggest difference in those that are highly successful and those are just average. Is those people are you know, so much focus and discipline that they get stuff done. You know, I, I say it every summit. People walk out there, I'll ask them, how many of y'all got uh, five things? You know, how many of y'all got 10, 20, 30? I have people with 40 things they want to do when they get back. I say, well, look around because only 5% of you, maybe 10% tops, don't do anything with it because you're going to go back, be all jacked up, and then you're going to get busy. Life's going to get in the way. And that's a shame, but that's that's, that's, that's the way it is, you know. Uh, and that, I, think, I don't think I'm the smartest guy, but I think I'm real, uh, I'm real, focused and I'm real laser like I, I'm I, I perseverance I don't take obstacles I don't let nothing get in my way if I go for something you know and listen I've had some things go bad everything I've touched don't turn to go I mean I've had some some people call them failures I call them expensive learning experiences you know I've had I've had my share of them but the deal the deal is not to make the same mistake twice you know and then just learn from that and when you get to an obstacle, don't say, well, I can't do this because of this. Say, how can I get around this? Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's a good one. I got to remember that one. I've, I've lived my life by that. You just, you that just... is a good one. That is a good one. Well, Ken, I, I looking at my watch here, I think uh, our time is up. But uh, yeah. I sure appreciate uh, your time and your comments. And I hope uh, everybody listening enjoyed it. If you've been listening and you enjoy it, um, please uh, forward this or share it. If you saw us on, on uh, social media, email it to a friend if you got an email with it. Uh, send me an email if you, um, if you have a question for me or there's anything I can do for you. Uh, Ken, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you. Good luck and I, I'll see you, if not before, I'll see you in June, but hopefully um, we'll be traveling before then. Absolutely. And uh, uh, to everybody else, I say, uh, have a, a great 2021. And I'm going to go out and get some justice. There Thank you, you buddy. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Alan. I'll see you. <laughs>